0: 2020, The Author's Porch is a space for authors to share their literary works of art. Founded by C.J. Ives Lopez, The Author's Porch puts authors first and becomes a premier destination for all at every level in their careers. When you join The Author's Porch, we want you to think of us as a beacon of light, bringing you home to a porch where your family is waiting to usher you in to your greatness from live cast to podcast blog posts and most recently the magazine the author's porch brings promotional services and advice to authors to get their writing published whatever the issue the author's porch connects writers with a service desired to create their dreams into reality Hey everybody, welcome to the author's porch where we turn the spotlight on you and every good conversation starts here tonight. We are welcoming Evelyn Puerto to the porch. How are you doing Evelyn?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good and I'm going to try to not um, do what I usually do, which is completely mess up my words and make a fool of myself. <laughs> but it's inevitable, you know, it's totally inevitable. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so let me give you a quick introduction for everybody that doesn't know Evelyn. I've had the luxury of stalking her website, um, checking out her books and getting to know a little bit more about her through uh, some of our blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, We're welcoming Evelyn to the porch tonight. She is the author of the award-winning Beyond the Rapids book and the Outlaw Myth series, Flight of the Spark book, which both of these amazing books won Reader's Choice Awards. Evelyn grew up in Pittsburgh before traveling to Russia, which I'm going to ask a lot of questions about, (laughs) as a missionary and later settling down in South Carolina with her husband and family. You can now find her writing, reading a good book, or spending time with her grandsons. That sounds fabulous.
1: It's a great life. <laughs>
0: you know, I, I'm going to get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, maybe not the, maybe the grandsons, we'll see, but I'm, I'm hoping the kids wait just a little bit longer. <laughs> oh,
1: But the grandsons are great fun.
0: You know, my sister has a granddaughter right now and then she has another one on the way and she keeps telling me that and I'm like, oh, I'm scared. Like I almost broke the the two that I had. Um, But (laughs) so I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready yet. So tell me about traveling to Russia as a missionary. I would love to learn a little bit more about that. That sounds fascinating.
1: That was a wild experience. I went there in 1994. So that was just three years after the Soviet Union broke apart. And I don't know what I was expecting, but what I found was not it. We, I guess I grew up in that time where Russia was the enemy, and they were going to bury us, and they were our rival. And I go there, and the first thing we're trying to do is buy things to clean our flat with, and there were no cleaning supplies in the whole city. They they had shortages all the time. And bread, there was white bread and black bread. And when I came back to the States, the first time I was in the grocery store, I I looked at the wall of bread and said, how do people make these decisions anymore? I had forgotten how you do that. (laughs) So so it was was a very different life. It was a very different experience. It was a very rich experience. Uh, The Russian language has three different words for the word friend. And I started to understand that in that culture, we in America, we just call everybody our friend. But in Russia, your friend is your person who you can call at three in the morning and say, I have a problem, and they say, come over, or I'll come find you. And so to have that small, tight group of friendships, it, I started to understand that the Russian soul and the depth of the Russian soul through those experiences. So yeah, it was that was very eye-opening to be there.
0: It sounds fascinating. A lot of people don't realize so many things about other countries until they visit them, Mm -hmm. uh, myself included, until I started visiting other countries and learning so much about what is on TV is nothing
1: like what is actually over there.
0: Right. And you were were young when you went over there, correct? I was in my 30s. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, still young. Still young. (laughs) Still Still relatively. Let's, let's get that out there. That's still (laughs) young. Okay. Uh, I'm still, I'm still holding on to some, um, I'm in my forties, you know, I'm still holding on to those forties too. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So do you think that those experiences had some influences on your writing?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I write fantasy and one of the big things in fantasy is world building. Mm -hmm. So having lived in another culture and immersed myself in another culture, it gives me so much depth of insight into how to create a world, to create a different culture. And just to think through little things about, well, how do they buy their food or how do they prepare their food? How do they decide who wears what clothes, what's available in stores, all those little tiny details of life have helped me think through my own fantasy world.
0: Mm. That, I like that you said that. So do you read fantasy? What's your genre that you actually, that you read? Cause sometimes people read different than what they write.
1: I read a lot of fantasy. Okay. I have always loved historical novels. And here's true confessions. The reason I don't write historical novels is you have to research and get all the facts right. But when you do fantasy, you can just make up your own rules. And and who's to question you?
0: That's true. You know, I love that you said that. And here's the reason because I read fantasy. I love fantasy. Give me a fantasy novel and I'm in my element. Mm -hmm. That's what I read. But I cannot write it. I cannot build that world out. I cannot for some reason, I'm stumped mm-hmm. with that, and I don't understand why. I'm like, but I read that, I understand those worlds, but I can't, <laughs> right. I can't write that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always like to ask that question to find out. So you're kind of, kind of like me, whereas you like historical, but all that researching, yeah, I
1: it, that just scares me. <laughs> to Try to make sure I get everything right because I'm convinced somebody will write to me and say, no, that did not happen in 1642, the way you said it did. So I'd rather just make up my own rules.
0: You're like, um, it's a fiction book. It's what I say it is. That's right.
1: (laughs) To my world, don't argue with me.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. Hello, Barbara. That is my mother. She likes oh, to quite hi, often <laughs> watch the shows that we do. She's um, she's awesome. So I want to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about uh, one of your series or maybe one of the latest releases that you have so people can understand more about your work.
1: Well, the outlawed myth I have two books published of it. Number three is due to come out. I just scheduled it for November 30th, so that's the plan. And then there'll be a fourth book to, to wrap it all up. I created this fantasy world back in 2013, actually, after having watched a news story. And I don't even remember what it was about, but the commentator got onto this conversation about, should we trade freedom for safety? And I started to think, oh... That would be an interesting world if they gave up all their freedom to be safe. And it, that's what started things. And I released Flight of the Spark, the first of the series, in 2019, just a few months before COVID. And then suddenly everybody started talking about freedom and safety. And I thought, how did I know? <laughs> but Crazy. the story is focuses on a girl who grows up in this society. And she's all about keeping the rules. She she wants to be safe. But then some events happen that caused her to question. And through that questioning, she really, the reason it's called Flight of the Spark is she's the spark that sets off this turmoil in the world and causes a lot of problems to it. And she she at one point gets entangled with somebody from an outlawed group that is called the riskers because they aren't into safety, they're into living free and so they're riskers. And it <laughs> becomes kind of like a Romeo and Juliet little theme going in there, but the main theme is overcoming your fear and to so that you're not always safe, but you can be free.
0: I like that. We've got someone Kathy from Plano oh, with hi us tonight. Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Kathy. We appreciate you being here. I like that. Um the the safety versus versus freedom type of story. Now, I quite often find a difference between authors and where their characters come from. So how did your characters come to you? And where did they where did? How did you craft them into the story?
1: My main character, I knew I was going to start with a girl that was a little bit timid and that her whole arc is learning to break out of that, learning that it's okay to take a risk for what you really want. The hero of the story, I figured he needed to be in contrast to, to that. And one day I was watching the news and there was some kind of shooting. There was some guy that shot the bad guy. I can't remember any more of the details. But they were interviewing him and they said weren't you scared when those people were shooting at you and he said oh no it's not so bad when people shoot at you they usually miss and i said that's my guy that's his attitude Mm -hmm. and i even put that line in the book with the little editing but that was what really to me encapsulated his personality and i just built
0: on it from there I like that line, because, yeah. you know, honestly, but it's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us what, what your writing process looks like? Panster, plotter, um, kind of mix of both, what that looks like.
1: I'm definitely a plotter. In my former life, I was a healthcare planner, so I'm all about planning things. And I pretty much outline the story. I know what the major, major events are and I work hard on developing a character arc and getting those kind of elements into the story. And then before I write, I will actually do a scene outline of what I, th- how I think it's gonna go. Then when I write, I'll say, okay, this scene is supposed to do this. And by the time I'm done with it, it may have gone in a completely different direction, but that's okay. <laughs> Because I always, I, I can't write unless I know what the next step is. So how am I leading up to that? How do I drag the story to that? And I, I am in awe of pantsers because I don't know how you can keep going if you don't know where you're going, but
0: <laughs> they manage,
1: and I couldn't do it that way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm a pantser myself and it's only because um, my characters basically tell me what to do. Yeah, Yeah, so I I don't have really control over my writing process. I would like to because I'm a bit of a control freak, but I I don't get to choose a lot of stuff with my writing. So, uh, which comes to my next question, mental health. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I find in the author world as a whole and with creatives is that mental health plays a big part in our process and, and mm-hmm. the outcome of our work as far as the success and the and the lack thereof sometimes because it's it's hard to keep going if you have support if you don't, as well as if you can you know get the process done. so how do you feel it affects any of your processes the your the mental health aspect of it.
1: I can say that when there is great stress going on in my life, it's very very hard to create. Mm-hmm. I can make myself edit during those times, but to actually do the new, the new creation, that's very hard. So I as far as how do I combat that? I mean, I have learned that there has to be balance. So I, my working process is I work for a few hours in the morning and then I take a break and I do something. I either go for a walk or I do an exercise video, but something completely different. And oftentimes that just resolves some issues and makes the writing go better. My husband is a tremendous support in this whole process and that's helpful. And going off and playing with the grandkids is another good thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's very important to take that step back sometimes mm-hmm. and and find more than just writing as your decompression time right because right. a lot of people write for mental health mm-hmm. but you have to find more than one thing because sometimes the writing can become thing that affects your mental health (laughs) it can become the stress that's right yeah for for some people that are very driven on the success of it Mm -hmm. which i think as authors it needs you know you want to be successful but if it starts to affect you where you're so driven Mm -hmm. that you don't you can't just take a break or let go then you're right you know like you said your husband spending time with your grandkids finding that outlet is is very Mm -hmm. important so i think that's great advice Now on the marketing side, because when you talk about success, we all know if you're not marketing it to the right audience in the right way, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to be successful, um, whether you're traditional or Mm self-published, it doesn't matter. The marketing affects everything. So what have you found is one of the the best things that you've done in, in your marketing endeavors to help you along the way? That's an interesting question. Um,
1: for my first book for Beyond the Rapids, I had the best sales when I did book signings at churches. That just mm. that was great. For the fantasy novels, I've done some promotions through uh, newsletters like the Fussy Librarian and the newsletters that send out daily or weekly here's some great books to look at kind of thing. That's been good. Another really good thing is getting other people on my team or forming a tribe or a cartel or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I've banded with other writers to do joint promotions, to do joint pro- projects. There's a group of us that were always there when somebody's launching a book. We help on social media, those kind of things. I'm really excited about this new Reader's Favorite Award already some of us 22 of us have banded together to do a joint promotion of promoting 22 award-winning books and we're we have good hopes for that so it's just these little steps to keep taking to get the word out about the books and try to find the right market and to your point on that i have struggled with flight of the spark i originally marketed it as young adult fantasy and a lot of my biggest fans are much older than young adult. So I'm thinking, okay, the protagonist is young adult, she's in that age, but my readers are not. And should I just call it epic fantasy or what? But it, uh, that's the category it won in readers favorite was in young adult. So go figure. Mm. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I've found a huge group of older individuals myself included <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> love reading young adult. Like I love young adult books. There's just something so fresh and so uplifting about them. And I think maybe, maybe it's a mental health thing for me where I find it. So just relaxing, mm-hmm. just uplifting and so hopeful about the genre mm-hmm. itself, regardless of what, what, um, whether it's young adult fantasy, young adult romance, young adult horror, young adult whatever, right. the young adult, it is just light enough where I can enjoy mm-hmm. the book. It's, And I find sometimes the other, you know, when you get out of the young adult category, it's just so much of whatever that genre is, it's just so in your face that I'm like, mm. Mm. Which yeah. is too much sometimes, right? So maybe that that might be why you're getting those older readers. Maybe you know, maybe some of them are like me, and it's like, oh, eh, that's too in your face. I'm going to young adult. <laughs> <laughs> right. But so, right. congratulations on one of those Readers' Choice awards, because those are the awards I think that most authors want to win. Because that means your readers have picked you. That means the readers want you. Um, And I like that you said for marketing, finding a tribe that bands together and helps each other.
1: Right. That's. I think that's just so important. And it's also kind of to the mental health thing, we can encourage each other. One person that I met through one of these groups called me up and he said, you know, I entered this contest and they were scathing of my book. And so I talked him down and we talked about it and, and I was able to help him and somebody else did the same for me in another time. So we, it is a lonely business sometimes sitting at your computer writing. And so we do need each other and that makes a big difference and makes the whole thing a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. And I keep, I keep finding uh, authors, that just want to come and just dump their books in places without having conversations. Mm-hmm. And like you have to stop doing that. Um, like, I know you want to get the word out about your book, but for but what you should be focusing on is building those relationships. Mm-hmm. You should be focusing on getting to know people first instead of just going in a place and, and I did this as well in the beginning of my career is I would just go and join a bunch of groups and then just go basically just like like it was a garbage <laughs> truck <laughs> it, like these groups were my garbage truck and I would just go and dump books my book in there and hope that somebody oh. would read it but what what happened is my sales actually went up when I started building relationships with people Mm -hmm. because people become have a vested interest in your success when you actually talk to them and you actually become a person to them and not just a mechanism. Mm -hmm. So I I love that you said build the relationship because then everyone's going to look out for each other. So that's wonderful. And you're self-published? I am. I am. I did. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you if um if you had looked into tra- traditional publishing or if you preferred the self-publishing avenue.
1: I did look into traditional publishing and I like to say that this was a very deliberate well-thought-out decision, but perhaps maybe it was some laziness on my part. But the idea of learning to write a good query letter and then sending it out to gobs of agents and maybe taking a year before somebody picked me up and then another year while that agent tried to find a publisher and then another 18 months before they published. I thought I can't do that. I mean, I just can't do it. So mm-hmm. now the reality is all the work that you do as an indie author it probably makes up for not doing the query letter and all that other stuff. But I do like having the creative control over it and setting things to my schedule and working around in my life. So Anyway, that's where I am
0: yeah'm I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. And when what I'm hearing from traditionally published authors is they're still having to do a lot of the work as well. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that I mean there's a little bit of perks, mm-hmm. but I think the main perk is just that that feather in your hat saying uh, a big. Publishing house picked you up, but the indie world is is very close to taking over the traditionally published world. So um, there's that as well. (laughs) Right, right. And And go ahead.
1: And I think the stigma of being an indie author is going away. There were a lot of people that just wrote a draft and threw it out there, but I think there are more and more of us who take very seriously the responsibility to write and craft. A really good book if we're asking for people's money and time that we need to deliver a great product to them. And I think that's becoming more known and people are more willing to give indie authors a chance.
0: Yes. I love that you said that. Take it seriously. You have a responsibility mm-hmm. to write and deliver a good book if you are going to accept somebody's money. Thank mm-hmm. you. Evelyn, for saying that. And yeah. the reason is, is your author career is a business. You are the same as any big name business, small mom and pop store, whatever you are, it doesn't matter. You are a business and you are required to deliver a polished good. Mm-hmm. And, That's and right. yes, not, not everybody has. These amazing, amazing books, but you have to give it your best. You have to work mm-hmm. your hardest. You can't just throw something on a piece of paper and just be like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." Maybe I'll earn a couple bucks off of this. You know, maybe mm-hmm. someone will pick it up. and you have to take it serious. Yeah. So I like that you said that. Um, we've got Martin from New Mexico. Oh, Thanks, for hi, <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, Martin. Great. Um, so I I I wish more indie authors would take it as a serious business versus just um, a creative mm-hmm. thing outlet that they can do just to earn a couple extra bucks. Right. <laughs> so one of the things that helps it become serious is the blurbs and the book covers, which I also know is kind of that thorn in a lot of uh, <laughs> indie author's <laughs> sides: book covers and blurbs, um, because. They always the old saying "Don't judge a book by its cover, but the book cover and the blurb is the first thing that every Ooh. reader sees and If you don't have those two things right, unfortunately, people are probably going to pass unless yeah. unless you've paid them for a review <laughs> or, or unless you've or unless you've paid for this, that, or the other, they're just going to pass so how do you go about getting your blurb and your book covers to make it where people want to read it? Oh, wow.
1: I wish I had a good answer on the blurb. <laughs> That's something I, I actually paid somebody to write a blurb and I used that one for a while. And then I paid somebody else to rewrite it. And I used that one for a while. And ever since then I've been tweaking it. And every couple of weeks I go on my sales pages with Amazon and draft to digital. And I change a few words. And maybe someday it'll be really, really good, but <laughs> I think it's getting there. I think I'm finally figuring out how to get the the essence out of the story that's going to most likely grab somebody's attention. Yeah. but boy, it's it's that's an art form. And book covers. I tried a few different designers, and I've hit on one that I like. it's it's a toss- up between spending a fortune and getting a good product and You can't have cheap and great product at the same time. So, yeah, that's been something. And, yeah, the book cover, part of what I do is I look at the bestsellers in my genre and make sure I understand what are the common elements, what are the kinds of fonts, what are some of the colors, so that the book cover looks like the genre. It looks like young adult fantasy. So that a reader thinks, okay, that's what I'm getting.
0: That's important. Um, I know a lot of people that want to go against the grain, and they they think, you know, but unfortunately, people that read a specific genre expect things specific and mm-hmm. and it, it, I had to learn that the hard way. I didn't understand it in the beginning, but once I started understanding that, things changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so you're you're absolutely right and I don't know an author that enjoys writing a blurb. Yeah, I don't either. And I I think they're the the devil. I really do. I think they're the <laughs> devil. Right. That and and I actually read a book where I read the blurb and I thought it was fantastic and then I read the book and it had nothing to do with the book which means I automatically assumed that the the author had gotten somebody to write the blurb for the book they totally different totally different uh book based off of the blurb I was very disappointed and I probably won't read from the author again because I felt lied to so it's very important when we when we get when we we do hire people to write our blurbs. Sometimes that's just inevitable because we want it to be fantastic because everyone judges a book by a cover. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We have to make it, we have to make it fit the book. Right. So if you had any advice for those new authors out there or older, you know, Mm -hmm. authors that have been in the game for a while, what would be your best piece of advice for, for anybody that wants to write a book or has already authored a book?
1: I would say never stop trying (laughs) to improve the craft. Never stop learning how to write better. Keep reading, writing books or taking writing classes, but there's always something to be learned or something to be improved on. A lot of times I randomly listen to a podcast and I think, oh, I can use that. Or randomly read some writing articles. Always be learning and learning. And alongside of that, get regular feedback on your writing doesn't have to be from a professional editor, but it's another thing I do with other friends is share my work regularly and get feedback. Um, There's one guy that sporadically reads my stuff, but when he jumps in, boy, he really helped me develop my system of magic beyond anything I could have come up on my own. So Mm -hmm. again, it goes back to, we need each other, just bouncing ideas off other people to just keep making the story as good as you can. It sometimes hurts to hear what they have to say, but if it goes for a better book, then it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Never, ever stop learning. I'm always signing up for some type of writing course or convention or something because Lord knows that I am not a literary genius, but (laughs) maybe one day. (laughs) (laughs) So if, uh, one of the things I find is fantastic uh, support systems keep us going. And I know that you said your husband and your grandsons have been your support system. Do you have any other folks that are in your support system that you would like to thank and say, you know, just thank you for being there because without you, I wouldn't be, have been able to achieve the success that I've had so far. Wow. Do you have another hour?
1: (laughs) I'll try to (laughs) condense it. I, post regularly on the right practice forum and Joe Bunting and the gang over there have been so supportive and so helpful. That was where I first learned about creating a tribe and the people I met through that, some of them have become, I think, good friends. And that's, that's been one big thing. There's a woman who years ago, um, Pat Grace, if you're listening, you, you know who you are. She was on the talk to me into writing Beyond the Rapids, and I mm. fought her for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it was. I'm grateful to her for having pushed me into doing that. So those would be the biggest ones.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that they they pushed you because we need authors that that get it <laughs> yeah. within the indie publishing world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can you tell everybody how to reach you if they want to go and check out your books or um, just talk to you more about the writing experience?
1: I have a website, EvelynPuerto.com. That's pretty easy. And I can be reached through that. And my email is Evelyn at EvelynPuerto.com. I answer everyone who writes to me. I'm also on Facebook as author Evelyn Puerto, and I'm on Twitter, Evelyn underscore Puerto, and on Instagram, the Evelyn Puerto. You might see mm. the theme there, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I I not too good on Instagram, and I've kind of let Twitter go by the wayside, but I do respond to everything that comes my way.
0: And we've added all of our links here in the comments as well. So guys, go reach out to Evelyn. And before we end the show, Evelyn, we just want to give you the last words, anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure that all of your followers, the readers, or anyone that's going to discover you has a chance to know about you.
1: I am deeply appreciative of anyone who reads my books, anyone who leaves reviews. Thank you. Thank you. That is so important to indie authors in terms of getting the word out and having other people decide if they want to read the book. Anyone who's responded to my blog post or joined my newsletter, I am just deeply grateful for any of that feedback and interaction with with readers. And as I said, I have two books out in the series and the third one coming soon, November 30th. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah, guys, go and read those first two books before November 30th, so you'll be ready for number three when it does come out. Evelyn, thank you so much for being on here tonight and sharing your literary works of art with all of our viewers and the guests that was able to join us tonight live. I know there'll be some other folks that uh, do catch us on the replay. Uh, Folks work different hours and they're all across the world. Um, I really appreciate you. The advice that you gave everybody is priceless because there's um budding authors all over the place we're doing an issue that's going to be released on October 5th our magazine the author's porch magazine and it is highlighting youth authors and those youth authors are listening to the authors that are here now that are writing the books that are going through the process and they're going to listen back to things like this and learn from indie authors like yourself so thank you for sharing all of that with us yeah, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, guys, we have the Author's Porch Magazine issue number two coming out October 5th. So make sure that you are checking Amazon. Uh, we publish our magazine through Amazon. So it's going to be on Kindle Unlimited for you to read for free if you have Kindle Unlimited. Or it's going to be 2 dollars for you to purchase the e uh copy and then there's also going to be a print copy we will be back on saturday for another live cast we have harry uh harry d sharma he is an environmental engineer on climate control so you're going to want to catch his book and learn more about some climate control um climate change i apologize it's late i'm tired climate change stuff that is going on he's going to share that um work of art that he has and there is no bombshell book review this week because Nicole is having surgery so you guys send out your love prayers and positive vibes to Nicole who's having knee surgery this week and we will catch you on Saturday 10 a.m central standard time for another meet the author and Evelyn we will wish you a bit farewell for tonight and everyone go and check out Evelyn's books all of her links are here in the comments so we will see you later bye